0: step into the world of advertising with FjordCast, predicting the most important trends in the advertising industry. Host Tim Barsness dishes on the latest developments within the advertising realm. Tune into the FjordCast to receive insider tips and advice from experts within the advertising industry. FjordCast is your first stop in hearing about the unique opportunities and challenges advertisers face today. Cranberry Radio is proud to present FjordCast with your host Tim Barsness.
1: Thanks for joining us on Fjordcast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjord, And today on our show, we will be talking with John Thompson about his Minneapolis-based creative agency, Bolster. Welcome to the show, John.
2: Thanks, Tim. So, John,
1: how long has Bolster been around for?
2: So, we're going on about six and a half years right now.
1: And how big's the team today?
2: We have 12 people right now. We have three partners and nine employees.
1: And how did you get into the marketing field?
2: Uh, so so we have three partners and we all have kind of uh, very different backgrounds. And so we all kind of came out um, into marketing and advertising sidelines kind of. So, you know, Bolster has been founded on the idea of brand, story, and experience. And so when the three of us came together, it kind of fell into having three positions of a brand director, a story director, and an experience director. And so that works out with a brand director who has a background in creative direction and um, design, um, a story director who has a background in filmmaking, documentary work and then myself um, as experience director having a background in user experience design and kind of a little bit more of the technology side of of marketing
1: great and um what are the names of the br-
2: um, directors so our brand director is jason hammond um, we had worked previously um uh, we've been working together since the 90s actually we're, we're fitness and then we worked at another agency in between and then jesse Raisler is the story director okay
1: Cool. Um, what what kinds of companies do you guys work with?
2: So, Bolster does work in three different core verticals. Um, so, that's uh, food and beverage wellness, and um, um, we occasionally kind of play outside of those three areas, but that is our core that we kind of focus on, and we all kind of have a passion for those three areas and working in that. I think also being in Minnesota... Um, having a health and wellness focus is is really great for us and then being particularly in Minneapolis at this time, having a food and beverage focus is, is really great with our exploding kind of food scene here. Yeah,
1: right. Did, did those things just kind of come to you then or did you set out to kind of focus on those niches?
2: So we were set up initially as a, we call ourselves a, a brand engagement agency. We still do. Uh, we still um, believe very firmly in, in engaging people and employees around a brand. We didn't come with three core verticals when we launched six and a half years ago. So, but what we, what we began to see was a lot of our clients began to fall in this category. One of our biggest clients is Ecolab uh, here in St. Paul. And, um, you know, th- we might look at them as a, a, a large corporate client, but they do a lot of work in institutional for restaurants um, and also hospitality and things like that too. So um, one of our earliest projects ended up working with a lot of restaurants for Ecolab, telling their stories. So um, that was a great kind of break in into doing a lot more food work. Um, we also have uh, a feature-length film that that um, Jesse, our story director, kind of spawned on his own on the side too, which was related to food, which was um, has been really great for us.
1: Cool. So it kind of just happened organically, um, but it's nice that you've been able to carve, carve those out. Um, what's the, the coolest thing that you guys have ever done?
2: Um, I think... Um, anytime that the three of us can really work together in our kind of very different fields and create a product uh, or a kind of end result that uses all of our skills, I think that's when we're the most satisfied. So, and a lot of times, that involves researching and finding stories, stories, and then kind of flipping a campaign around those stories. So, using a lot of times, it's using you know documentary-style footage about customers or people who are experiencing products in the real world, and then. Developing a campaign based on what we what we hear, and then getting that out in the real world via either a microsite or um, targeted advertising. And
1: you're doing those campaigns kind of end to end. You'll do the site, you'll do the the video, everything.
2: Yep, yep. So that's the ideal case. We do come sometime, or just um, after the fact, but um, that is the ideal case when we can kind of have our <laughs> we can have our fingerprint on all of that.
1: You mentioned this at the leadership level, but you must have a pretty well-rounded
2: team, kind of um, through. Right. So we're all, um, you know, we, we are a small shop a lot of people who have specialties, so wear many hats too. So that, um, I think that's one of the strengths of our team is that, um, we're also really great at things when we can dive deep into um, a certain field. Sure. A lot of that's about finding the right person, right? Yeah, it does take a, a certain type of person to really kind of flourish in this environment. Like we really, you know, maybe it's a cliche to say it's a family-based environment and, and others might disagree to, about that term, but, uh, just feeling like you fit in and feeling like you have a role and in, are in kind of committed to the the whole group's success is is such a great thing.
1: So how did you guys come to the decision to separate out the Credo nonfiction brand?
2: Yeah, so I think being a small agency, it's sometimes hard to position ourselves perfectly to to get in with some of the larger players we were coming up against. A lot of times we were finding ourselves in RFPs with... Uh, much larger agencies. Um, occasionally we would get that work and it was great, but a lot of times we wouldn't. And, you know, we we were positioned as a full service agency. Um, we did have our niche markets that we were kind of catering to, but we still f- um, were kind of coming up against this problem of of not pe- people not completely understanding who we are. So now we're able to kind of divide, bolster, and be kind of bolster being the strategic um, side of things and then Credo being the kind of, Nonfiction production side of things, and in in the Credo's case, it allows us to get in front of larger brands more easily. Um, and then also, in terms of editorial, say a Huffington Post or something like that, they can look at our portfolio for Credo and see exactly what we do without being messing with things like logos or, or um, branding and things that they might not be as interested in.
1: That's an interesting point. It really, you know, it allows you to really focus your mes- your message and um, kind of target. I guess different accounts that might have more kind of video opportunities,
2: right? And and we were noticing too the workflows were were kind of dividing as well. So it made sense from a business perspective to kind of divide those up too without a lot of hassle involved.
1: Sure, that's great. So we need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about what makes Bolster successful.
0: Don't go away. George Cast with Tim Barsness. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. everything in between cranberry.fm Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with George cast only on cranberry radio.
1: Welcome back to George cast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness, and we are here with John Thompson of Minneapolis based creative agency bolster. Um, so John, what makes bolster successful? <laughs>
2: Um, gosh, I wish I could tell you in in one answer what that is. Um, I think though it's, and and this is something that maybe not everyone can, can just go and do, but it is really about kind of staying true to what you want to be and what you find meaningful in your own work. I think, um, being able to turn, turn down work early on, um, that doesn't feel like a good fit is always a a great thing. It always comes back later and uh, kind of rewards you. We've had clients that, have come to us early on with a project and we said, well, this is great, but it's not a perfect fit for us. And then they would come back a year or two later with a um, you know, a better fit and, and oftentimes a bigger project too. So that's that's been a huge part of us being able to um, uh, be successful.
1: That's great. In order to do that, you have to be in a position to, to feel comfortable turning work down though, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, we, we do, um, we are small purposefully. I think it's, it's helpful to not become this monster that you need to feed constantly. I think, um, that's the downfall of, uh, uh, what we've seen some other agencies in town where they get so big, they just have to keep feeding themselves, um, via taking on work that, that isn't, you know, true to their purpose or their mission. And, um, it's kind of a race to the bottom at that point.
1: Yeah. So can you give us some advice on how to do work in your field effectively?
2: I think I think one of the things that we've always kind of liked to do from the beginning is is in 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 given that we play in the marketing field um, it's hard to break away from this sometimes, but I think treating the, our, our audiences like human beings is like a great first step and all the content we create is kind of geared towards uh, uh, not diminishing who the who the people are that we're speaking to. I think we're all kind of um, sometimes disgusted by advertising around us. And, and, uh, you know, we don't get excited by th- things like Super Bowl ads, um, here in the office, or, you know, um, sometimes, you know, you see a great cam- campaign and it's, it, it's exciting, but, um, there's a lot more things that excite us that are, are more about authenticity and, and, um, uh, you know, furthering our culture rather than maybe making it, uh, degrading it or, um, making a, a clutter that is, is just going to be a mess that you have to kind of, um, deal with in your daily life. Would you say that um, your
1: goal is to go deeper with fewer people rather than kind of a, a spray and pray mentality when it comes to, to marketing or advertising?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's um, something we've been trying to do. It's always kind of hard to keep that discipline down um, because, you know, as a business owner, you're kind of tempted to just take what comes in the door. But but like I said before, like I think it always kind of rewards us when we when we don't do that.
1: So, I have a note here that says uh, you see advertising as a, a dirty word. Can you describe what you mean by that?
2: <laughs> well, maybe that's too controversial. Is that too controversial <laughs> for this podcast? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say
1: so. I'd love to hear your perspective.
2: Well, I, I think, you know, being founded as a brand engagement agency, we've always kind of stayed away from calling ourselves a marketing agency or and certainly not advertising agency. We actually don't buy much media at all here. We buy, um, in fact, some, often very little um, throughout the year at all. So we do have digital strategists we work with and we do some digital buys, but um, we aren't buying media the way typical agencies do. So we like to concentrate on, uh, we do a lot of shared shared media that is just kind of naturally viral or naturally shared too. So making that content be authentic and real. And then also I think having an audience that might be engaged already is really helpful for a lot of the work we're doing.
1: Got it. So when you say shared media, you mean uh, like media that hopefully will go out on social channels, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. Uh, so, what characteristics does a successful marketer have?
2: Um, uh, I think I think you know being able to ask the right questions is really huge. I think a lot of. Uh, our Marketers that I see tend to kind of fall into their the dogma of you know what they learned five or ten years ago and um, kind of stick with that, or maybe they'll find a a hot new trend or article that's talking about something and they'll, they'll kind of adapt that dogma. But I think just kind of looking at every project and kind of asking questions, both of the client and your target audience too, of what you're trying to communicate and how can you do it best. I think, and then surrounding you with people who can help deliver on that but i think you know i think too you know we play in marketing and we play in advertising and we do a great job of doing that but we also try to break the rules of both of those fields too um and and being small and and having a lot of the successes that we have had i think um uh, only kind of empowers us to do that more
1: absolutely would you say that um keeping your core team together um for a long period of time has led to a lot of your success as well
2: Yeah, I think you see a lot of burnout in our fields and people are always kind of jumping ship and moving on to where the next hot place is. And we've had a lot of luck with keeping our team together and um, providing an environment that's really fulfilling for them and doesn't burn them out. Yeah, that's so important. Um, What do you see as the next
1: big trend in, in branding?
2: Gosh, in branding... So I like to follow a lot of tech trends. So, like I've I've been following, you know, VR and AR and AI and things like that. And I'm always really interested in that. Um, I definitely, you know, track that on a daily and weekly basis to see what's what's going on in that world. Um, Have you gotten
1: any opportunities to use any of those technologies and campaigns?
2: We. Um, not not per se yet. We have a couple things like involving VR and I guess we have done a little bit of AR in the past. I personally kind of have been playing with a VR camera, which has been great and kind of fun, um, but just as a, as a hobby more so. Um, and so like we like to stay on top of that. And, you know, if a project comes up that might call for that. Great. But we're also kind of aware of getting too gimmicky sometimes too. So I know... You know, AR was was a really big thing a couple of years ago when every magazine would kind of have like an augmented reality kind of uh, cover and things like that. And a lot of consumers were kind of wild by that at the time. But, um, you know, we we moved past that pretty quickly. So we kind of concentrate a little bit more on the story behind things and this kind of more human component of like what what makes things memorable and um, what connects with an audience. What would you
1: say does make things memorable?
2: Well, well, part of um, advertising and marketing is about manipulating. And we're very aware of that. But we also believe in real emotions, too. And we believe that you can tell a story without manipulating emotions. Um, so that's something that we, <clears throat> we work hard to do is, you know, use emotion, but use it in a really authentic and real way. The, the way you would in a movie where the music swells and things are, 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 are happening that are, are real and human and you can relate to. You
1: got it. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about how mobile drives people-based marketing and review how Samsung has handled their Note 7 brand crisis, as they call it.
0: Don't go away. George Cast with Tim Barsness will be right back after a word from our sponsors.
3: Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports.
0: eBrands.
3: Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators.
0: eBrands.
3: Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators.
0: eBrands. Cranberry.fm. Tim Barsness is back with more advertising advice with FjordCast, only on Cranberry Radio.
1: Welcome back to FjordCast. I'm your host, Tim Barsness. I'm here with John Thompson of Bolster. Our first topic of discussion is about how mobile devices drive people-based marketing. John, have you guys used a lot of mobile in your in your campaigns?
2: We certainly have used it, and we we plan for it quite a bit. Because we don't do a lot of the actual buying or targeting, a lot of times that's kind of out of our hands, but we see the results of it, and it's been kind of interesting to see um, both for some of the content that we're creating and how that mobile audiences might react to it. So the
1: the article here talks about full funnel analytics. Um, Have you you done much with, um, you know, kind of considering the bigger or broader funnel?
2: Yeah, so we have been doing quite a bit of content marketing in the last um, about two years or so, and that kind of concentrates on the full funnel of of um, you know from engagement onto purchase. And you know you can we're not tracking that from a mobile device necessarily, but we are tracking that say from an email um, or and that's using a cookie too. So I know this article was kind of talking about how cookies aren't as relevant as they used to be. It's now about kind of tying a purchase to more closely to a person via the device in their pocket or whatever Um, but we kind of see emails uh, kind of working the same way um, in that we can track that funnel with this person you bet it's all about all about identifying people however you can
1: have you seen that you mentioned that you do a lot of content marketing have you seen that that that's been effective across your your verticals that you mentioned earlier
2: we have seen a lot of success in the health and wellness field, and especially in B2B areas where um, that purchase might be a bigger purchase, um, where there you can see a lot of value in just one contact um, being converted. Um, from the consumer side, it's a little bit trickier to get, um, you know, a, a motivated user base of of consumers who are buying, uh, let's say, a, a eight dollar meal or something like that at a restaurant um, through content marketing. So we've seen a lot of success in these like larger B2B style purchases. Got it.
1: So our next story is from AdAge. Um, it's about how Samsung is handling their brand crisis. Um, we've got flight attendants calling out on every flight that the FAA has banned the the Note 7. I'm curious, John, your perspective on how you think Samsung is handling things, how they could have done things better.
2: Yeah! Wow! Like, what a what a crazy way to uh, destroy one fifth of the Korean economy, huh?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no kidding.
2: Yeah, I mean, so this article was interesting because they had a couple tips which I thought were really great about how to how Samsung could have prevented this or at least kind of maybe minimize some of the effects of what they did. And from what I understand about what happened, is they uh, maybe the the executives at the time thought it might have been a good idea to quickly try and fix this as quickly as possible, but they didn't quite kind of diagnose the problem as uh, correctly as they should have. Um, and I think in doing that, they weren't really transparent or open about what was happening. Um, they kind of thought that they could do this quick fix and and it wouldn't make the waves that it did. So you and think uh, maybe they misunderstood what the problem really was? Yeah, from what I understand, I think uh, Wall Street Journal had an article about how um, uh, typically, like the U.S. Um, like Consumer Product Safety Commission is usually kind of behind these recalls, and they kind of like skip that process and, and said, "Oh, well, yeah, it's just this one battery supplier. Uh, we can fix it." And they so that's what they did, and it turns out it's a much bigger kind of problem with the entire, you know, uh, I don't know if you know all the details, but like chips and software and hardware and everything. So um, right, as soon as you don't follow the process. And something
1: goes wrong, you know. It looks like you're, you're kind of trying to manipulate things,
2: right? And and you know they probably have if fixes like this happen all the time without a problem, in in Apple or Samsung or whoever, where it's like, oh, it's just a uh, hundred people, and we can make it really quiet, and it's just going to be in the news for one day. We can fix it. Um, but when it goes wrong, man, then you're you're in big trouble.
1: Right, exactly. One of
2: the points in the article is
1: to it says be be the first with the news, um, and that'll, of course, they say allows you to control your message. But um, you know, if you're trying to kind of fix it quietly, maybe maybe we'd get tired of hearing about these issues if um, if yeah. they brought it up every time. Every time yeah, there was a it uh, probably problem. happens
2: a lot more than we know. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: All right, well, that's it for Fjordcast today. John, where can people find you or Bolster online?
2: We are online at uh, both bolstercreative.com and credononfiction.com.
1: Perfect. So thanks for joining us on Fjordcast. You can download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and very soon on iHeartRadio. Thanks for being on the show, John.
2: Thanks so much, Tim.